Come on, let's put our hands together and just thank the children and young adults for wishing us. And happy Father's Day to all the fathers. We bless the Lord and thank the Lord for you in our lives. And we, we just celebrate this day. This particular Sunday is a special Sunday. So God bless you richly. And we gather today to worship the Lord and to thank him in sweet fellowship. And Father's Day is a very special day. And we always like to focus on the very powerful positive examples that we have about uh, the paternal side of our experience. And what I'd like to do today is take a few moments and do exactly that. Look at back in scripture a few weeks ago, I was giving a study here to the church, if you, re you can recall, on Job and his journey and how much we learned so much from that. And I want to go back to that to look at Job again, but this time uh, from a father's perspective. What lessons can we learn from this father called Job. His name is Job. What can we learn from him? And I want to submit to you that the book of Job is so rich. There's so much that we can extract from there. And we'd have to do a whole new series. But what I'd like to do today is simply look at four uh, outstanding or four special attributes that I see in Job that we can apply today into our lives. And the book of Job is a fascinating book. If you read it, and I encourage you to read it. I read it once annually. I always go to the book of Job because there's so much to learn on leadership, on, uh, on family, on devotion, on friends as well. And also even on the perspectives of God where he was able to think that he knew God, but it wasn't until he saw God that he was able to really get a, a, a different glimpse of who the Lord uh, was in his life. Some have looked at it also as this cosmic experiment where this powerful God has an actual conversation with Satan. Can you believe that? And they were using a Job in a way as a pawn or the experiment. It's called the, the Job experiment. And that's entertaining and it's interesting. And it's a good perspective, I guess, to look and read because uh, the, uh, every book in the Bible is written with one intent only. But we can get different significance from the text and scripture, depending upon where we are. But there's always one meaning that was intended. I like to look at Job as, a, as a, the book of Job, as all of that. But for my own edification, I look at it as a place where God rewards a man's faithfulness. That in the middle of having and then not having, the middle of, of uh, being popular and then unpopular, being healthy and then not, not healthy, I can see in Job that he was steadfast. That he was not uh, uh, up and down in his walk and relationship with God, although the circumstances around him had changed. So for me, that's what it speaks to. It speaks to this man who starts this story, wonderful story, as we see in chapter 1, which is where we want to focus our attention. And then we see him navigating through life. Because actually, if we're honest with ourselves, the book of Job in many ways represents the journeys of life. It really does. We don't always have a great day. And if you do, please pray for me so that I can have that level of anointing that you have. We don't always have a great experience. There are certain days and certain periods in our lives where difficulties and challenges visit us. So the book of Job teaches us how we can hold strong and steadfast to the Lord, whether we're riding the crest of blessings and provisions or whether we're low and lonely with no one around us. Uh, where it gets so wonderful that we're constantly in celebration of the goodness of the Lord, 
But we're right there at that place where Job was when he cursed the womb that conceived him. I mean, that dichotomy in our journey is the reality for us. But I want to look at this, um, uh, this man called Job from a fatherly perspective for today. And before non-fathers jump to conclusions, I think there's some stuff in here for you as well. So mothers, listen closely. People that don't have any children, listen closely. Young people, listen closely because there's some elements, particularly these four, that I think apply to everyone as we extract meaning and significance from this father called Job. The first thing I want to mention to you is that obviously when you open the book and start reading chapter 1, he was a well-off man. He was a man that was enjoying the favor of God, if you will. Uh, He was very wealthy, had property. Verse 1 shows it to us very clearly. He was a man that had a wonderful reputation in his community. And in the region where he lived, people thought highly of himself. He had a wonderful family. The Bible tells us clearly that he had uh, 10 children, seven sons and three daughters. In fact, his daughters were so outstanding, for you ladies that are listening, that if you look very closely at the book of Job, at the end of the book, Job, very rare you find this in the Old Testament, Job actually highlights the impact of his daughters by giving, by mentioning their names in the last chapter, but also by giving them an inheritance as well. Very unheard of in the text. And when you look at the Old Testament. So he was a man that lived a balanced life. A man that had a family that loved him. He had ten children. And what he used to do, he used to have a party as often as they wanted to have a party. Ten children, ten birthdays. So at least ten months in the year, they were having this huge celebration. And as young people would go, they would invite their friends. And they would invite their friends' friends. And because they were wealthy, they had the space to have an incredible banquet and celebration which would take place. But Job was a man that, first of all, number one, I want to highlight for you, he took care of himself. Because in order for him to care for his family and care, care for his property and possessions and really the business of what he was involved with, the riches, he needed to make sure he, take, he took good care of himself. Oftentimes, we limit taking care of ourselves to eating right. Now, you know that over the last three months, we're guilty of not eating right. Or you, you take pride in the exercising that you've been doing. Now, you know over the last hundred days, exercise has not been in our calendar. In fact, once this sequestering is over, we have a lot of work to do and a lot of heavy lifting to do and a lot of putting away and putting a lock on the refrigerator for a little while so that we can back to our, our trim running weight. But oftentimes we think it's, it is just that. And I, I submit to you, it is that. You need to be careful in what you eat and you need to be take time out to exercise and as age starts to accumulate you want to be able to make sure you do those kinds of things in order to maintain yourself being healthy and healthy for yourself as well before you can even bless your family and your loved ones but it is beyond that it is also taking care of your mental stability and being able to uh, nourish yourself emotionally Uh, uh, sometimes we think that the older you get, well, you know, I've done everything I was going to do. Come on, you don't need to go too far to read stories of people that are 70, 80, and even more that have gone back to school and have graduated, that have started to embark on on celebrations and on adventurous things. Um, The mind will wither if you don't use it. The mind will, will, will float away if you don't use it. Be active. I always pray to the Lord. I said, Lord, 
keep my sight so that I can continue reading because I love reading. It expands my ability to understand and to know. And I just have this curiosity about that. The wonderful thing is with technology, even when your eyes are gone or going, you can always make the font bigger, as I have done today on the notes that I have here. Amen? And, and even that, if you don't make the font bigger, now they have stuff in audio so you can hear stuff. My point here is that it is not just taking care of your physical self. Make sure that you do. Be as healthy as you can, but also take care of your intellectual and mind and let it continue blossoming and growing. And, uh, but also emotionally, you have to make sure that you find those outlets where you can vent frustration and don't carry those anxieties. The things will, that will kill you is not necessarily too much sugar in your system. It's not handling another thing that starts with S, and that is stress. Stress is the one that will give you high blood pressure and accelerated it and all sorts of, of diseases that will come into, into you. How do we handle that? We need to start managing those areas of, of our life. And we're living in a very stressful time. You don't have to go further. Sometimes the, the worst thing you could do for your health is listen to the news. Sometimes the worst thing you could do is listen to, to documentaries and shows on TV because they increase your stress level. And stress is what's going to destroy you. So he used to take care of himself. And I'm sure he wasn't able to watch CNN or Fox or anything else and not worry about filling stadiums or not filling stadiums. He had other things that caused him stress. But he took care of himself. So fathers, listen to me closely. We need to take care of ourselves. We need to take care of the totality, holistically, who we are, relationally. Take care of ourselves financially. Make sure we have areas to vent stress and be able to manage that as we go along. So he took care of himself. Verse 1 says that the land of Uz, there lived a man named Job. The man was blameless, upright. He feared God and shunned evil. In the process of taking care of himself, Job also took care of himself spiritually. Now, some have often said that church is, a, church is very feminine. One, because of the way the hugging, the touching, the kissing, and all of that tends to lend to this feminine nature, to the texture of church. I tend to think it's the opposite. I think that it's very human. I don't think it's necessarily feminine nor masculine. and It's very human. It allows human expression that you will find nowhere else. And I'm here to tell you that men need to make their spiritual growth, fathers need to make their spiritual growth part of who they are. And encourage your children, your family, to let us go into the house of the Lord. Let us march to church. And then when they don't want to go, you make it a point to go and be the spiritual leader of the home. You take care of your spiritual development as well. There's something about that that Job was doing that we need to do. It says that he feared God and he was able to shun evil. By the way, the sequence there is intentional. You cannot shun evil if you don't fear God. You have to first fear God in order to shun evil. Sometimes we're trying to get away from the distractions in life, but we need to fear. And fear is not being afraid of. The word there, the better word to insert there from the original is to reverence God, to be in awe of this cosmic eternal being that allows you to be in relationship with him. That is reverence to the Lord. Job was able to do that. The second thing I see here that's so powerful is verses uh, 2 and uh, through 3. I mentioned that he had seven sons and, and three daughters, and he owned thousands of sheep and thousands of camels and, and, and many oxen and donkeys and a large staff that took care of him. And he had a wonderful reputation in that region. But Job made it a point to manage his household to take care of his loved ones, 
to be there for them. And I want to encourage fathers today, don't buy into the media twistings of absent fathers. Not all fathers are absent. In fact, most fathers are present. You have a few, but a few doesn't define the collective group. And we oftentimes uh, acquiesce to the definitions and the labels that we hear outside. That's why I refuse on Mother's Day and on Father's Day to talk about the absent ones in our lives. Because there's a whole cadre of people that have been towing the line, trying to do the best that they can to be a parent and to be a mom and to be a father uh, for their family. And Job was one of those men. He took care of his family. He took care of his wife. Nowhere do you find in the book of Job, although she is the one, his wife, that told him, why don't you just curse God and die, right? And gave him bad advice and he didn't listen to her. Nowhere do you find in the text that God made him change his wife or that Job gave up, gave up on his wife. Why? Because he managed his household. And sometimes managing means not just when things are going well. Every family is visited by calamity. Every family is visited by trials, tribulations, and dark moments. Uh, I think fathers need to be able to manage the ups and the downs, the celebrations and the moments when there's nothing to celebrate but everything to pray about. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. He was a man that was taking care of himself and, number two, was managing his household. But let's not go further than verse 4 and 5 in chapter 1. Well, you know what was happening? I said in my introduction that he had 10 children, seven sons and three daughters. He was uh, gifted and celebrating, and they would have gigantic feasts that would invite everybody in the area, everybody in the neighborhood to come and celebrate. But look at what Job did. He fought spiritually for his children. It says in the text that Job would make a He says, when a period of feasting had run its course, when they had finished their partying, and you know, partying sometimes goes down a track that doesn't really honor the Lord. He says, when they finished their partying, and by the way, partying in this context was not, can we get together this afternoon for a barbecue? Can you, you have a few hours to spend so that we can go out and have a celebration. That is not the way they, they knew how to party. Parties will last days and sometimes even weeks. 24-7 of banquet time. Praise the Lord. No church or anything, just banquet time, just celebrating. So you can imagine what goes on during those long periods. But look at what he did. When it was over, over, Job would make arrangements for each of his children to offer sacrifices to purify them. Just in case his children didn't go to repent and seek the righteousness of God after they had finished partying, Job would stand in the gap for them and offer sacrifice. In fact, not only offer sacrifice, as it says in the text, burnt offering for each of them, but he would actually say, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And then it closes in verse 5 by saying, and this was Job's regular custom. He didn't just do it once in a while. In other words, he was always, and the third point is, he was always fighting for his family. And fathers, I want to tell you today, you need to fight for your family. You say, well, once the kids are grown, you know the reality is, kids never grow up. They're always your kids. I wish my parents were alive today so that they can call me their nene, their little boy, 67-year-old baby. Can you imagine that? 
We all have this yearning being connected to our paternal mom and to our, our parents and our, to our mom and dad. We really, really, really never disconnect. The umbilical cord is stretched, but it's never broken. It's always connected. Even now, my parents that are, are long gone, there's still an umbilical connection to them uh, in, in my life. And my point here is you need to take the lead and fight for your kids. If they don't pray, you need to pray. They don't go to church. You need to go to church. If you've given them counsel and advice and they've strayed here and there, <clears throat> you need to take time out and intercede for them and offer sacrifice unto the Lord. Uh, I do that. All my life I've been able to do that. Pray for my wife. Before she became my wife and now that she, and for these decades that we've been together, I've prayed for my children. I pray for my grandchildren. I pray for my son's daughters. I pray for, for my extended family. Someone needs to take the lead because if you don't, the enemy's going to come in and not destroy, not knock down your family, destroy your family. You need to stand in the gap. Somebody needs to stand in the front. But remember, Job did this because he was a pious man. He feared God and shunned evil. Not anyone can stand and tell Satan, you got to go through me first before you get to my family. It has to be a man, a father, that has known to walk with God, that is known to have reverence to the Lord, that knows to fear God. Because you won't be able to fight uh, the enemy on your own. You need God by your side. Father, you're listening to me right now. And your son or daughter may be here or there. And they might be, have made decisions that are actually bringing shame to you and to your family. You're not proud of how they're living, the lifestyle they've chosen, the life they've chosen. But pray for them. Lift them up before the Lord. Fight for your family. No one else is. If you don't fight, you're surrendering your family to the, to the, the strongholds of the enemy. You can't let that happen. You have to fight for your family. Spiritually stand in the gap. And truly, you don't become the priest of the home just because someone called you the priest of the home. Some priests of the home, nobody even calls them the priest of the home because they don't know what you do when no one is watching. And that is spiritual integrity. This man made a custom to fight for his loved ones. And by the way, I extend that even to New Testament teaching because I, I believe the book of Corinthians teaches very clearly for me, and I want to share it to you right now, and I've shared this before to the church, that if you stand in the gap, the righteousness of God will visit your home. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what life. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about the protection. I'm talking about the sovereign power of God, the providence of God over our loved ones. If you stand firmly and you honor the Lord simply because of you, God will protect your children. Simply because of God's love for you, he will be for your family. Simply because of you, God will cover them. And isn't that what it's all about? They'll go here and there and everywhere. But God will listen to your prayers on their behalf. In fact, the number one person that should be lifting up the names of your children and your family members to the ear of God are the fathers of the home. That's what priests do. I pray for this church. I pray for you that are watching us online right now. I do. I haven't seen you in over a, almost 100 days now. But I pray for you. I pray for you. But the primary prayer that I do every single day is of my household, is of my children, is of my... And they're grown. I don't even have to protect my sons anymore in a physical sense. They're bigger than me. My granddaughters are getting bigger than me. <laughs> but I pray before them. I have a habit, and it's a good habit that I do every, just about every single day, and that is before, and, I, and I'm not the, the toughest, I'm not the biggest guy in the room, but I know that I have a responsibility in my home 
And I know that it is a God-given responsibility that I have to embrace. And every time before I go to sleep, I check the door to make sure. And this is, you may think it's small. It might be small to you, but it's big to me. Because I'm, I'm telling myself and telling any cohorts or whatever is going on, uh, this home is a sacred sanctuary for the Lord. And I'm taking the lead to protect my home. I'm going to check the locks and make sure. And somebody knocks on the door, I'm the first one to stand up. Time, now it takes me a little longer because the joints don't work like before. But I try to get up as quickly as I can to get to the door to see who it is. Why? Because that's what, parent, that's what dads should do. That's what fathers need to do. And don't let anybody take that responsibility away from you. And you moms that are listening to us or families right now that don't have a, the male paternal role, uh, the mom and, and one, of the lead, one of the family members, take that position of, a, of spiritual authority in your situation. But Job fought for his family. You need to fight for your family. Let me go a little bit further on this one, on this point. I consider myself... The, the, the parental head of this church, the, the paternal head of this church. It's, it's Jesus. He's the head of the church. But the father figure in this house, I accept that, right? And so what happens? I need to make, make sure that no one messes with this flock. If you look at the good shepherd, the example of the good shepherd in the New Testament, he used to sit. This, the, it was a metaphor, but it was a metaphor based on reality. He used to sit at the entrance and exit of the pen. So they would have the sheep together and they would have a fencing around it, right? Or some form of natural barrier so the sheep wouldn't stray. And there was only one way in and one way out. The good shepherd would be at the entranceway. And when nighttime came and he was too tired, he would actually lay down a cross. I can't show you right now because I got this wonderful yellow jacket on. I don't want to lay on the floor. But he would lay down on the entranceway, the in, in, entrance exit of the pen. And here's what would happen. He would sleep there, but you know how some people sleep aware? That you sleep, but you know what's going on? He would sleep aware. He would rest aware. So if a sheep was thinking about going partying, the only way to get out was to go over him. The moment that that sheep went over, he would feel the whistling of the air over him. But conversely, if a wolf or a predator was trying to get into the pen, he caught it immediately. That's what good shepherds do. You can't allow evil. Yesterday, we met with the pastors and we consecrated this building to, 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 the, to the Lord again and dedicated. We spent uh, over an hour here interceding, reflecting on Scripture. And then we went throughout this entire building, really around, uh, through the entire building. But there were some key things that I instructed the pastor that we needed to do. And we did it. We prayed for every chair. We prayed for the wall, the instruments. But then we stood on this, around this platform, this very, very podium, representing the breaking of the bread of life for this ministry. Come, come on, you know, in your home, you don't let bad food in the refrigerator. You throw it out. You don't serve your family members the, the leftovers of the moldy leftovers. You can serve them leftovers, but not moldy leftovers. And we prayed over this pulpit that this pulpit would be consecrated to God, that no poison would come from here, no human endeavor would, would leave this pulpit, but rather that this church can be well-nourished. That's what fathers do. Come on, praise the Lord. That's what fathers do. We prayed for the doors that no evil would come into this place. We prayed and bound the works of the enemy and broke the stronghold of the enemy of sickness and of fear over this congregation. I, I want to tell you, and I'm not saying this in a proud, prideful way. I'm saying it because it's the truth. This place is safe. It's safe. 
is safe. If someone discerns a, a spirit of darkness and a, a demonic force in here, it's caught immediately. Uh, we're riding the crest not of Mark Rivera or the wonderful heritage that we have of, of a church. God hangs out in this place. We make sure and we take this call very seriously. Come on, let's praise the Lord for a moment. Hallelujah. Need to fight for your family. Need to fight for your spiritual family. And then the fourth example that I want to give you on lessons from a father named Job. One was that he took care of himself. Two, he managed his household. Three, he fought for his family. And number four, it's at the verse 22. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. In other words, Job honored God when things were well, the beginning of chapter 1. Because it's real easy to honor God when you can go get your hair cut, get your nails done, whenever you want to. You can go eat at any restaurant. But when you're shut in for three months, right? And your liberty has been, to a certain degree, held back. And you can't run and live the freedoms that you had before, right? I mean, wouldn't it be nice to just take off the mask? And I don't mean personality mask. I mean the mask that we have on, the covering on our, it wouldn't be nice. Wouldn't it be nice to give a hug and get a hug, right? We should have been hugging a lot more than three months ago. And we would have had a, an accumulation of hugs in the, in the hug bank. I have a hug bank. Some of you, I, hold, I owe a hug to some of you. Amen? But we have to realize that in the ups and downs of Job's life, it says in the text, he never charged God with wrongdoing. We have to get to a place, dads, of spiritual maturity that we don't blame things in the periphery for the way things are going. We have to have a steady faith in God. Can people say that you, dad, are reliable? Can people say that you, dad, are consistent. We can't be up and down and, uh, and blown here and there from every thought and philosophy. We have to have solid things in our lives that we've arrived through through spiritual disciplines and always do that. You know what? Let, let me just, and, and, and I know we're referenced and I've referenced it to myself. I don't serve the Lord because I'm the pastor of this church. I don't have faith in God because I have the incredible honor of preaching from this pulpit just about every Sunday and certainly during the week. No. Whether I preach or not, I'm committed to the Lord. Whether somebody looks and listens to anything I say, it is not because of title or any, anything, anything like that. It is simply that the Lord's been so good to me. He's really been my God. Jesus is my Savior. And whether on a pulpit or off the pulpit, I'm going to serve the Lord. We, we need to have consistency in our lives. I mean, I can't think of anything organizationally that could be worse than what we, you and I, have gone through over the last month. Some of you, you're not even sure about the employment. You're not even sure about finances right now. We're not sure of where things are going to go. We're not, we're not even sure of how long this COVID-19 is going to... Some people already panicking about the, the wave too. God is consistent. You need to hold on to him that no matter what happens, and Job was able to weather the worst situation that you and I can ever, ever wither. To get to the point where, yes, his friends were even giving him bad advice. 
but he took care of his family. His wife was telling him information he didn't need. His body was all sick. And he, look at the book, he didn't waver from the beginning when he was, he had everything. And then even when he lost everything, he did not waver rather. He did not waver from his consistency with the Lord. We all age. In fact, when you come back, I know you're going to look different than three months ago. We're going to have to take a few moments just to absorb that when you come back. Amen. And we're going to look different. We are when you come back. But God is always the same. Hold on, dads, to your faith. Hold on to your walk with God. Make that consistent in your life always. In fact, I believe, and here's where we go right to the point of how it relates to our church. If you read the last chapter, it tells us very clearly that Job was blessed even beyond what he had before. And listen, by the way, he had stuff. That's the way God rolls. In God, you never lose anything. He'll always give you what you had plus. Right? He always aggregates on top. And church, we're headed, fathers, we're headed to incredible provision of the Lord. I believe what is to come is even greater than anything we've experienced in the past. We have to be consistent and committed to the Lord. We have to lead our families and take care of ourselves. We need to learn from the lessons of Job as a father into our lives. And the only way to do that is to allow, allow the Holy Spirit to take hold of our lives and help us to apply. What is the point of knowing if you don't do? What's the point? You don't enjoy the benefits by knowing something. I went to take my second COVID test and when the, they drew blood this time and I didn't know but I, told, I always tell the medical people, by the way, I have a history of fainting. She says, don't be afraid of, of needles. I said, I'm not afraid of needles. Don't look. I said, it doesn't matter. And then I tell her, look, it's been a few years since I fainted, so I probably won't get. Don't look at me that way through the camera. It's probably you too. <laughs> I know you thought I was this really strong person. I am. But not with this regard. And I remember when I'm, when I'm there and she's getting me ready. And that's the word when they snap that rubber band. <laughs> am I the only one? Like I, and I won't tell you what I visualize in my mind. And so I guess she trying to calm me down because I had told her, I said, I'll be fine, but just so you'll be aware. And also, my wife is right outside. So if I freak out, just call her. She'll unfreak me out. And I'll be fine. And as I'm, I said, so like, you know, you got to do this stuff, right? She said, you don't need to do that. She was a real pro. But then she tried to ease my concern by telling me, she says, you must work out. That's what she said. I'm going somewhere with this that relates to the sermon, by the way. So my answer to her was, oh, I work out. I work out all the time in my mind. I don't do it. The application is right there as well. It isn't about knowing the lessons of Job as a great father. It is about putting them into action. That's when we'll reap the benefits of biblical teaching into our lives. I hope you do that, Dad. I hope today you will turn the corner, undo whatever it is that you have to undo, and become that dad that God called you to be, destined to become. 
Father, I thank you for these precious moments that I have with the church today. Lord, and what a beautiful day when we're turning in the direction of hosting the church again here in this sanctuary. I know that the book of Job speaks to us in so many ways. But today, Father, we extract from there lessons of this father called Job. Help us to know them in our mind. These four lessons help us to know them in our minds. But Lord, also through the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray for the dads that are watching us right now and even others, Lord, that today connect with the text in their own situation. Let the Holy Spirit help us so that we can turn the corner and be found, Lord, to be faithful to you, righteous and just, just as Job in our journey that this Father's Day can have incredible significance and meaning as we allow the Holy Spirit to make us better. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. I think we should worship for a few moments. If you can, stand where you are and let's worship the Lord.